Welcome to Pep Talks, Pepper Jam's affiliate marketing podcast. Today, we're meeting with David Roger, co-founder and CEO of Felix Gray, to talk about how a real-life experience and a grassroots mentality toward combating eye strain sparked an eye care revolution. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining and tuning in to Pep Talks, hosted by Pepper Jam. I'm Mara Smith, CMO of Pepper Jam, and I'm here with my colleague, Christy Kammerer, content strategist with Pepper Jam. Joining us today is David Roger, co-founder and CEO of Felix Gray. David, we're so happy to have you here on the show today. Really happy to be here. It's perfect timing, too, I have to say, because it's 6 o'clock Eastern time now, and both Mara and myself were just talking about massive headaches that we have from staring at the screen for almost 12 hours today. And it's the struggle is absolutely real. And there's a solution for that. (laughs) (laughs) You do, you do, you do. Not only are you Forbes 2019, 30 under 30, but you're also the co-founder of Felix Gray. And I have a question. I I have to ask it because I just need to know the answer. I have, I have my own ideas of what, it is, but where, where does this name come from? What is Felix Gray? Who is it? Um, yes, yeah, so we name all our frames after scientists, mathematicians. Um, and so Felix Gray, Felix comes from a literary character in Cat's Cradle, which is Kurt Vonnegut book. He's kind of like the literary equivalent to Einstein. Um, and then Gray comes from a gray owl, which is a logo that shows up throughout our branding. And that's how Felix Gray came to be. Um, when people asked us, you know, why... Well, we chose an owl, you know, originally we chose an owl because owls are wise, they're sagacious. Most people are wearing this as a work tool, as a productivity tool. Um, but, you know, when, when people said, oh, you picked an owl because owls have good vision, we were like, oh, yeah, th- that's why we picked an owl. So, <laughs> yeah, it's serendipitous. All right, very good. That's a good story. So I want to hear a little bit more about how Felix Gray actually came about and what how you got the idea to start the business. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the story of establishing this brand? Yeah, sure. So uh, after college, I went out, uh, actually, I'm from New York, but I moved to uh, Las Vegas to work for the CEO of Zappos, Tony Shea, on his uh, project to revitalize downtown Las Vegas, which is where Zappos is based, um, the shoe company that was bought by Amazon that he runs. And uh, basically, Tony put in $350 million of his own money, into this project. And when I got there, we weren't really sure if a lot of these projects were going to make money or lose money. And I was tasked with figuring it out. And I was right out of college, hadn't really taken that many finance classes. And basically, it just meant being in front of namely Excel for 10, 12 plus hours a day. And my eyes just started absolutely killing me. Um, looked around, half of my coworkers were complaining about the same thing. Most of my friends who had started jobs as developers, as designers, as consultants, as bankers, you know, we're saying the same thing um, and looked around and said, like, why is this? Why is everyone's complaining about this? Why is there not a solution? Um, and what's really causing these problems? So after talking to optometrists and ophthalmologists, learned that really two of the main culprits are blue light, which is high energy light that comes off of any modern screen and glare, um, which is going to come off of any light source. And so mm-hmm. if you can filter blue light and you can eliminate glare, you can actually mitigate for a lot of these negative symptoms like you mentioned headaches before. A lot of people deal with, you know, their eyes being tired or strained. Um, some people deal with blurry yeah. vision, dry eyes, Most things days. like that. 
Yeah. And so our thought was, you know, we looked around and there was one company doing it and they were using their company called Gunner Optics are still around. They namely use yellow lenses. Their glasses, you know, generally kind of make you look like one of the X-Men. Um, your story and- just hit home with us <laughs> because we have a really funny story to tell you after you finish what you're saying. Yeah, please. And and so, you know, I kind of said, well, look, I, my eyes are killing me, but I, I cannot be caught wearing those. And <laughs> I, you know, I just, you know, kept, kept working at that time project. And, you know, over time I was just, I just would Google every month, like, you know, something for, you know, computer strain, computer glasses, something along that sort And same stuff was popping up. And finally it's kind of clear that, okay, like let's do something about it. And so I left downtown project late 2014. And then in early 2015, I launched an Indigo campaign, really didn't know the supply chain or anything else yet, but had kind of modeled out a little bit of what I needed uh, for cash. Uh, ended up raising twenty thousand um, dollars on Indiegogo. Flew out to China a couple months later to build out the supply chain. Uh, met our um, a lens manufacturer. We developed actual proprietary lens together, which is really a clear, beautiful-looking pair of lenses. It looks like a normal lens, but it's mm-hmm. also a highly effective way at filtering blue light. It's actually really this perfect balance between something that's clear and effective. There's no better solution out on the market. And then said, okay, well, we want the lens to look good. We want, you know, it to look clear, but the frame has to look beautiful as well. So, you know, we ended up sourcing materials from Italy and Germany to, to, to have that. And then, you know, we, we produce it uh, in China at one of the best frame factories uh, it, there is. What year was and this again, David? Did this you say? Was, sorry, yeah, this was in 2015. Okay. Um, so we kind of spent 2015 building out the supply chain. That summer, I came back from China, and I ended up meeting my co-founder, who was at UBS's Global Asset Management in Chicago, and he had just moved to New York. He had moved in with his friend and roommate, Don, um, who was dating my friend, Lizzie. And when Lizzie asked Chris, my co-founder, you know, what do you do all day? Instead of explaining what, like, a quant data person does at a hedge fund, he said, I stare at four screens for 15 hours a day. Lizzie told him about what, what I was doing. Chris wanted to be a beta tester. We met up, tested the product, and he loved it so much that he ended up quitting his job and coming on full time a couple months later, uh, which is really cool. That's super and so, cool. And so, you know, 2015 was, was spent building out the, just the production and the website and everything else. But then we got this product and, you know, initially when we started to, you know, this idea of, oh, we'll go out and fundraise, raise a couple million dollars. I think at that time, you know, there were a lot of consumer companies raising pre-revenue and most people said like, no chance you're going to change behavior. Like you're going to tell people to wear these in front of a screen, like and they're going to put these on, like that's not going to happen. And so we were forced to be really, really scrappy. And so instead of, you know, doing a big launch, we said, okay, like do people actually want this? And so we ended up from January to April of 2016, we partnered with companies all around New York where we're based. So we work with Spotify, Uber, Barclays, LinkedIn, we work. And we went into these offices and we said, hey, we'll give 50 of your employees a free two-week trial period with the glasses. At the end, they can either purchase them or they can return them. You know, we'll handle everything. We'll handle all the logistics. It's a really nice prep for them to offer. And we were seeing that one in five people without having any idea what computer glasses were, what blue light was, what we were as Felix Gray, you know, coming and buying. And so we had something there. Uh, and then a month later, Business Insider wrote this article about us that kind of blew us up and you know, it's kind of been a, a fun trip ever since. That's a really cool story. So I have a bunch of questions and comments. Um, so can we first tell the story? About- yeah. What resonates with me 
um, what resonates with me is, is just exactly how you described it, which is that when the blue light lens products came on the scene, one of the only products that was available were these lenses that were yellow. And so it was, I think it was in 2017, Christmas of 2017. Yep. My husband bought me a pair of blue light glasses because we work in, I work in tech and I was complaining of headaches all the time. And the days that I wasn't in front of a screen, he, um, he noticed and he said, I think that you need a pair of blue light glasses. So he gave me a pair as a Christmas present, but you know, um, I like to consider myself somewhat of a stylish female. Pretty fashion forward. And when I looked at, you know, the gift, it were they were these lenses that were a pair of yellow lens frames. And he's like, just just wear these to work and you'll be good. You won't have any headaches. And I was like They were like king of the hill frames though. They were they were Yeah, like- I looked like I should have been in front of a wood saw, not Yeah in marketing in a technology company. 100%. I'll vouch for that. So David, so David, the design had to be you know, a really important element for you in the creation of not only the product but the company, right? Of course, Performing yeah. Functional. Yeah, I mean for us, you know, saying, "Hey, how can we filter blue light effectively and then eliminate glare effectively?" Um, with a you know a clear lens, um, so it's it, it's doing its job. But people, we want your eyes to feel good. But we want you to feel good. You to feel confident who you are too, right? So you want a lens that looks normal. And then you know, for us, the aesthetic that we're going for is we say you know classic with a modern twist and above all timeless. So we want you to wear your glasses today or feel comfortable wearing them three years from now without saying what the hell was I wearing. <laughs> and so for us, that's that's really important and is definitely one of the guiding principles of the company. Yeah. I never saw those glasses again after the first, <laughs> the first <laughs> day. Were, so excited for the gift. And then you kind of made one of those faces. Didn't you? Yeah. I definitely was like <laughs> sheer horror on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that. Okay. So you mentioned that when you, when you initiated the beta for the launch, you went out to, a bunch of different companies in New York. And obviously these are um, well-known global organizations, predominantly in tech. Um, how did you, how did you pull that off? And how did the employees of these companies respond to the beta? Were they receptive? Yeah. How did they listen? Yeah. So, you know, it's really, you just, it was a lot of networking and finding out just who the person responsible at those companies were. A lot of times it's a culture manager or something like that. And, you know, if you say, Hey, I can offer this kind of fun event for you know, people to try out and I'll handle all the logistics. They're like, okay, cool. Where do I sign up? So getting people on board, um, especially as we had started to, you know, we ran over 25 of these programs and we're in front of over a thousand employees in New York. So, we were getting a little bit of reputation and people would love the program and they'd, you know, refer us to other people. So that, that part was, you know, got easier and easier as we went along. And then at the end of the day, I mean, if you tell people, Hey, do you hate being in front of your screen for 10 hours a day and your eyes want to kill you at the end of the day? Most people are like, yes. And if you say, well, why don't you try this for free and see how it does and it works, people are pretty happy. So, Really, it was this element of like this problem that was everyone was talking about. It was right under the surface, though. So people weren't sure if there was a solution that was going to be adopted or not. 
But if you, you know, made the solution good, but you also made it look great. So people loved wearing them and they, they looked great wearing them. You know, that was something that excited them. And that was really important. I had a different experience with Mara in the glare uh, category, because as a writer, I'm, I'm staring constantly at a screen. And if I'm not staring at a screen writing, I'm staring at a screen reading. And I also wear glasses, so prescription lenses. And I have astigmatism, and it's, it's just very hard. It was very hard for me to find a blue light lens that worked over my existing glasses. I had been, I mean, I had been literally looking for something forever. So I just kind of suffered through that because I didn't have any solution that I can put over my, uh, like, rec specs almost. I could put them right over my, my own glasses. It was just, it was impossible. So I think for someone who doesn't, um, you know, maybe who has 20-20 vision, let's say, versus somebody who has prescriptions, um, what's, what is the difference? Is there a difference in the way that the product is marketed for somebody who needs prescription lenses versus someone who doesn't? Yeah, it's a great question. So, so you know, really to call out in the beginning, we actually launched on the non-prescription side. Um, it's if because we have a proprietary way of filtering blue light. It really means that it's a, it's a better product, but it also means that operation it's a lot harder to stock for prescription. Right, um, that makes sense. But by you know, but by April of 2018, you know, we were growing really you know well. I think we probably had close to 100,000 customers at that point, um, and we were seeing a lot of people saying, Hey, like I actually wear glasses. Why can't I have this for my prescription? And so that was a, that was a, that was a massive push for us. And, and, and really one that was very important in saying, okay, how do we offer a, how do we offer this for, you know, prescription users? And how are we also then offering like an even better lens than what normal people are going to have? Okay. So you, know, you go to a traditional eyewear doctor, um, or if you even go to like Warby Parker, you'll, you know, your base price will be X and then it'll be 50 to $200 for blue light and $50 for anti-reflective coating. By the time you leave, it's, you know, four or $500. Um, yeah, for us, we least. said, okay, how do we offer a prescription lens that also is high index so it can go like all the way up to like really high prescriptions without upcharging people. And then it's also having, you know, our blue light filtering solution built into the lens. And, you know, we were able to, to launch in April of you know, 2018, and it's been received you know, really, really well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'd like to just ask a question about the flip side. So for the non-prescription users, individuals that have perfect 2020 vision, how do you break the notion that, you know, they don't need prescription eyewear, but perhaps they could benefit from uh, blue light, you know, lens filtering technology? You know, how have you successfully translated that message to that particular audience. Yeah, 100,000 customers. That's a lot. It's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And then and, and I would have mentioned, you know, that was 100,000 customers back in uh, last year. So, you know, it's it's something that I think, it, you know, for us, if we are, you know, presenting the problem and the solution um, and we say, look, like your eyes are killing you, a lot of that has to do with blue light and glare. We have you know, a proprietary way of doing this and it really is going to work. We have you know, now over 200,000 customers, 90 of which say that they bought Felix Ray because they were experiencing symptoms of digital eye strain before. Mm -hmm. And then 90% of those people say that they experienced a significant improvement by wearing Felix Gray. And we asked those people three months after they purchased. Um, 
you know, that they've had that a significant is, amount of time with them. The proof is in the pudding, and that's why you know word of mouth is still our you know still still our strongest um, you know source for uh, for acquisition. Could I and you know. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm so sorry. Could I rewind a little bit to the beta? I re- I read something interesting that when you did the beta with the thousand um, eyeglass wearers that they had an opportunity at the end to keep the glasses or to, to purchase the glasses. Was there an overwhelming amount of feedback there that people really had to have these glasses? Yeah, I think we may, may yeah, so exactly. So when, by the end of the two weeks, they could, you know, purchase so they, you know, could return them. I mean, people didn't know who we were at all. They didn't know about Blue Light. They didn't know about Claire. One in five people were up front buying them. And actually, we were seeing even more people, like three weeks later, emailing us saying, hey, actually, uh, my eyes are killing me. Can I Can I get those again? <laughs> that was so, a super smart beta move. It was really fun to see. Um, yeah, but really, you know, cool. how we've been able to convince non-prescription users is, look, like, do you, you know, you deal with these problems. Here's the best solution you can possibly have. It's, you know, you're going to, you know, look great while doing it. And then for us, you know, ultimately the community, the, the, the brand that we're building is we want people to live a happier, more productive life in today's screen for world. And so when people get a pair of Phillips rays, like they get excited that they get to, like they're participating in that journey, right? They're going to be happier that their eyes are going to kill them at 5 PM. Or, you know, they might have to work late that night because they have an 8 AM deadline and they just can't afford to take breaks that day and they have to just work through it. And so they can be more productive that way. So by feeling spray, you're, 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 you're having both sides of that coin. Yeah, I can relate to that. It, it is a matter of the quality of the amount of work that you're doing. Cause at a certain point you just, you have to tune out because it's, it's just too much. You lose you're, focus. You do. Yeah. You, you lose have focus. It hurts. I got to take a break. I'm pinching my, my, the bridge of my nose nonstop. Now I'm probably aging myself an additional. <laughs> no, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, and you're not happy either. Right. So if, if you're, you know, same thing, you know, if, if you're, if you're running and you know, with a sprained ankle, like that's not going to be any fun either. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. So David, one of the things that you mentioned is that word of mouth is a primary source for acquisition. I'm assuming new customer acquisition. And what would you say the other marketing levers are that you pull to, uh, that you pull as your go-to, um, try to yeah, your tried and true method, your means to acquire new customers. Yep. So, you know, we're constantly testing. I think anytime we have the ability to do storytelling is, is really, really helpful. And so we've actually, you know, you're going to get your Facebooks of the world. Actually, AdWords for us is, is a little bit less important because the search volume still for computer glasses and blue light glasses and things like that, while it's grown significantly over time, is still not the same as someone looking for a mattress, for instance. Um, and so, you know, we're always looking for avenues of telling that story and getting out to people. So podcast is actually really effective. Um, affiliate is really effective too, because affiliate's a great way of, you can actually have a, a short piece, you know, a write up on the brand, on the product or a combination. Uh, and we found that affiliate is really helpful for that too. Well, absolutely. And I know that you mentioned business insider, you know, put out a piece when you initially launched business insider, uh, a portion of, uh, the content that they produce, they monetize through the use of affiliate marketing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, I think we, that we've, those worked, are- we've, we've worked with business insider, you know, I think what's important is that if it's, you know, if it's something that people believe in, then they're going to write or talk about it in a way that 
they're not going to write or talk about it if, you know, it's just kind of a paid ad. And we find that with affiliate, we find the same thing with podcast hosts, you know, or radio hosts. When we wanted, when we, when we're making that relationship, we want people to experience product. We want people to understand, you know, what, what is our mission here and how are we producing the best product possible? And, you know, the team at Business Insider, for instance, you know, we've been running about for several products. We recently launched kids. We have a darker version of our lens that's, you know, we have a darker version of our lens that's specifically oriented around helping you sleep better at night because blue light also suppresses our melatonin secretion. So this lens is like clinically proven to improve melatonin secretion by two times. You know, we've done a, we've done an affiliate deal with Business Insider and Insider Picks where actually like the host slept better. Like she was really psyched on the fact that she was sleeping better and sleeping faster. And so that article did really, really well for us because it was genuine. Yeah. I think we're going to have to do like a revisit on this podcast. I'll test it out following this interview and then we'll revisit and see if yeah. exactly they help me. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I would take melatonin every night. So I'm, I'm just nodding my head in agreement with everything that you're saying because it all leads up to that. And, and as you're speaking, I have a, I have a thought that I keep thinking of David and it's about lifetime value. And I'm thinking when you have a customer and you have your marketing plan and you know who this customer is, do you have a plan in place for procuring a higher lifetime customer? Is it, is it a one and done type purchase? Is there something that, that leads them to come back and, and what is it that they keep coming back for different styles? Yeah. So there's actually you know, three reasons why people are coming back. They're coming back because of this, I would say the lens ecosystem that we've built. So, you know, the, you know, we have prescription and non-prescription actually, you know, 20% of our non-prescription customers wear contacts. So, why wouldn't they, you know, buy a pair of prescription glasses? We also have, like I mentioned, you know, sleep. We have a sun version of our lens. And so, you know, people are buying different different lenses because they, they love the frames, they love the brand, and they, you know, are interested in what benefits this other lens is going to provide. Um, then, you know, a large percentage of the people that are coming back are buying because of the fashion aspects of what we're doing. And so we do around six times a year, limited release color drops where we're either doing a collaboration. Um, for instance, we did a collaboration with a well-known coffee shop in New York called Gregory's Coffee, or we kind of, we do a you know, charitable donation with like breast cancer research fund or something like that, where we're doing these limited release drops, which do really well. And then a lot of people, they just, they, they keep them at their desk. So they want to have one for their home as well. So they keep one for home, they keep one for work. Uh, and that's how we think about lifetime value. Of course, look over time, your glasses are going to wear out. You know, you want a new color change. You might've lost them or broken them. And so, you know, you get a new pair that way as well. But, you know, for us being forward thinking and, 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 you know, not being reactionary around LTV, it's, you know, how are we offering other products that the customer ultimately wants? And if you're listening to the customer and you're producing things that they want, then you're going to have strong LTV. That's right. That's right. And another thing that struck me when I um, was looking at the site itself was you have a ton of educational content on there. And as a writer, it it was cool for to see that because I maybe I wasn't expecting to see that, but there was a technical side and there was and that sort of bled into your mission as I kind of got further into the site. Everything tied back beautifully and is when it comes to content creation for you and, and we talked about storytelling and we, we talked about the importance of affiliate and partnerships and brand advocates and all of that. Does that, 
does that kind of weigh in on what kind of content you're going to be producing? Is there, is it form and function meets this technical side of eyeglassware? Yeah. So ultimately, you know, for us, you know, we, like our, our true north is we want to be a, a brand. We want people to live a happier, more productive life in today's screen for the world. So anything that relates to that in any way is content that we're able to touch. Uh, for instance, like really, really simple, but like, you know, we had a post during, during July 4th and this was really just on Instagram. It wasn't, you know, any, any further content than that, but it was like talking about us binge watching stranger things is exactly what I did. Um, <laughs> you know, and like, as did like a couple other people on the team and, you know, and, and that, that again speaks to like, look, like you're binge watching it. Your eyes are going nuts and like, why not have a pair of folks crazy with you? Um, you know, it's something that's it's important. So it, it speaks again to our, our true north of, look, we want people to live a, a happier, more productive life in today's the world. We're going to do that through, you know, being fun and posting things that are culturally relevant, like that Stranger Things post. We're also going to post things around, you know, new studies on blue light and, you know, child development or things even further than that, but like on how, you know, children are feeling, you know, more ostracized because of screen time or how the rise of video games you know, in, in, in today's world and how that's being used as a social tool. So anything that's related to that is, is fair game for us. It's stuff that we want to be able to uh, produce and be a thought leader on. Um, yep. And it works. You do it really well. It, it works. It's hard when they have a, such a large dynamic, right? Like you can cover stranger things, then you can cover sleep glasses for kids, but it you pull it off. Wow. And I think through the thought leadership, that's how they, you know, do such an effective job at pulling it off. But that leads me to one question I have about copycats. How do you combat companies that are trying to copycat or replicate uh, the products that you've developed and just maintain that unique value proposition that you've brought to market? Yeah. So it's a great question. I think that, you know, first of all, it, it shows that it's, it, in a way, it's really cool that that's happening because, you know, when we first started, like I mentioned earlier, you know, in, in these potential investors, like, good luck, you're never going to create behavior. And now we've got, you know, probably 100 copycats in the market. Uh, for us, it's always looking forward and saying, like, how can we create the best customer experience? So one, you know, we've developed a product that in its that inherently has a moat because it is a proprietary way of filtering blue light, eliminating glare. So you are creating this amazing experience, which, you know, why over 200,000 customers, you know, are so psyched up about the product and see such a significant improvement. Um, but, you know, then it, you know, comes down to, okay, well, you know, we're constantly improving the quality control of our frames and making sure that they're, they're better. They last longer. They feel great the first time around that there's no issues that if there are issues that we're providing a really, really good experience. And then, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's just providing a really, really good experience to the customer or a potential customer. So that goes from anything from the education that we have in our site. We have a, a principle here to be educational, but not boring. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't want to you know make you fall asleep, but what we're saying is important. And if you want to know about the technical stuff, like we shouldn't be hiding that from you. Um, all the way to, you know, if someone has, you know, an issue with their pair 45 days later, and how do we just make sure that they, they stay really happy and in love with the brand? Customer centricity at its finest. Absolutely. Now I have a, I have a, a different question. I had read, um, in a couple different places that you, Felix Gray had been referred to as the Warby Parker of computer glasses, which 
I would think would be, yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's like pretty a compliment. It's compliments top of the line right there. Yeah. Look, it, I think, you know, Warby is a, is a great company for what they're doing. I think that we're building on top of that for us. Our thought is why, you know, in, in today's screen for world in the lifestyle that we lead from the fact that I'm on, you know, I, I walk to the subway, I'm on my phone, you know, writing emails, I get onto the train, I take my iPad, I read and I get to work and I open up my laptop and I go home and I you know watch some TV and do some more work. Like in today's screen for world, why would you not have a, a, a an eyewear brand that, you know, is speaking to that and helping mitigate those symptoms um, and leveraging a lot of, you know, what Warby knows the grandfather doing, which is on the direct to consumer side of of building that out and, you know, listening to the customer. Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool. I think, you know, for us, it's how do we take, you know, eyewear and how do we take it a step further to actually meet today's needs and how are we providing the best possible experience, both frame and lens wise in doing so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And and I think that when I had read it, I just thought, I, I think that would be, this would be positive. Uh, I, speaking of all of those things and everything that we had talked about is there are there any regrets anything that you would have done differently now looking back uh in a, as a monday morning quarterback and kind of say should have did it this way or should have done it this way or is everything just a learning experience i think everything's a learning experience i think you know this is you know so i'm you know co-founder ceo my you know my 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 co-founder chris is also you know first time co-founder and i'm the first time you know co-founder and ceo um I think there's definitely everything's a learning experience. I think you ultimately get it right, but I think there's probably things we could have done right sooner. Um, I think that, you know, we're obsessed with knowing about our customer, but at some point you get a lot of data and it's how are you leveraging that data to not only get a qualitative side of the story, but a quantitative side of the story and really understanding what are the quantitative points that matter a lot. Um, I think that, you know, there are elements of that where, and there's, and then you have to like deal with like, how, how does the infrastructure site able to handle that data? And how are you then analyzing data through what tools? So like, I think moving from like a, Hey, I get to talk to the customer every day and I have a, like a gut instinct to how do you marry that with uh, a, a data side of things is something that if we were to do it again, I think we probably would have done it a little bit faster. Um, but ultimately, we ended up in the same place, which, you know, has you know, led to continued success, which has been awesome. That's fair. I respect that answer. All's well ends well. All's well ends well. Yeah. Okay, David, we want to engage in a lightning round of questions. So we're going to fire away at you to wrap the interview. Let's do it. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. All right. First, first question is a little bit of a cheat because I have to preface it. So I checked out your profile. I saw that at one point in time, you used to be a disc jockey. Oh, yeah. Uh, while I was at uh, Cornell, my friend and I hosted a radio show at like 11 p.m. at night, which was a lot of fun. Okay. So this is all second nature to you. All right. So starting the <laughs> lightning round, what was your favorite song to play as a DJ? Uh, you know, that was like sophomore year was the height of it. I always used to play that song, Somebody That I Used to Know, before it got really big. And then it got really big and it was really fun that everyone's like, hey, uh-huh. that song got Pretty really big. Is, uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. I like All that right. song. Least favorite song to play as a DJ? Oh, man. Uh, probably, I'm not like a big fan of like songs. 
I would never play this song. Like, I would never play a song like My Chemical Romance. It's just not really my genre. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So what is your genre? Favorite band? Uh, the Beatles, for sure. Beatles. Okay. Favorite. You, you, you can't, you know, it's, it's easy, but you, you can't say anything else. They're the best. They are. But it's, come on. It's, I think yeah. we all agree on that. <laughs> favorite book? Um, favorite book. It's a good one. Uh, of Mice and Men and Barbarian Days. Oh, I read my seminar. That was great. Heavy hitters. What are your go-to frames from Felix Gray for everyday use? Oh, I still wear the same pair that I've been wearing since day one, which is my Turing frames. Um, that we don't even offer it in the same color anymore. So when we like we're going when we're when we're, when we're stopping that color, I asked them to send me like twenty pairs. So I'm I'm set for a long time. Oh wow! You do a reprise. Somewhere I wear for somewhere I wear our metal frames, which are made out of a. Uh, German medals, and I wear that. That one's called Harrow. That one's a lot of fun. Okay, that's cool. super cool. I'm checking that out. Uh, where were you when you found out you made Forbes 30 Under 30? I was in the office. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally, yeah. yeah. And all right, you're on a desert island. You could pick one cocktail to take with you. You can't say water. What would it be? Uh, it's an island. Then I'm doing like a mojito. Nice. Classic. Very Good nice. choice. All right. One last question. You could have dinner with one person, uh, dead or alive. Who would it be? Oh man, that's a good one. Uh, you know, like this one always changes, uh, but I'm a big fan of, um, of, of uh, Microsoft CEO. I just think he's like doing an awesome job. And so be really cool to meet with Satya Nadella. Super cool. Mojitos all around. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> David, thank you so much for joining us on Pepper Jam's podcast, Pep Talks. We really appreciate your time and hope to talk to you again soon. I'm Mara Smith and join with Chrissy Kammer. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks. Talk soon. We just spoke with Felix Gray's CEO and co-founder, David Roger, about how good storytelling, brand advocates, and affiliate partnerships can fuel awareness and build brand loyalty, and most importantly, lifetime value. You can check out the full podcast, plus many more, by visiting us at pepperjam.com forward slash podcasts.